Well, hello, church family. Boy, it's been a week, ain't it? Woo! I hope you all are staying safe and taking the proper precautions with, with this pandemic crisis. I hope that we're each doing our part to slow the spread of this disease through social distancing and, and make and do uh, as things seem to be rapidly changing even by the hour and by the day. I think now more than ever, it's important for us to be the church, even if that means gathering in ways that are a little bit different than we're used to. And so this morning for our online worship, we're gonna start off with prayer. And I would invite you to participate fully, to allow yourself to let the Holy Spirit enter in and be present with you during this time. Let's pray. God, we need you. We have so many things on our hearts and minds anxiety, confusion, frustration, uncertainty, many of us feeling isolated and weary. In this moment, we lift all of these things to you and place the outcome of this epidemic in your hands. God, it's hard to wrap our minds around the origin and scale of this disease. At this moment, we cannot measure the extent nor the duration of the COVID-19 virus. We cannot possibly fathom all of the ways that this will disrupt people from Kearney to South Korea. We pray for all those in our community, throughout Clay County and Kansas City, in the state of Missouri, and for everyone in our country and around the world. In this moment of trouble, help us to be the church and make your kingdom present in the midst of the chaos and fear. God, we lift up to you those on the front lines the doctors, lab technicians, researchers, nurses, and all nursing home and healthcare professionals. We lift up first responders who run towards the problem to care for the sick and find the solution. All of these people we place into your care. We lift up those whose lives are affected by this disease. We are grateful for the medical care we have access to and ask that you would work through it in order that people who are infected would be healed and restored. We lift up those who are particularly vulnerable and ask that you help them feel your presence instead of isolation. We think of our friends in Haiti. We just had a mission team return. And we ask that you be with our friends and our partners and everyone on the island. We lift up all those whose routine and employment are impacted by this virus, that you would help bring about a swift end to this disease, that we could return to doing our work well. We lift up families who may struggle at home, children who are missing school, and parents who are wondering how to get through this period of time. God, your word tells us that no one can fathom the depths of your understanding. We don't understand why these things happen. Help remind us that your will for us is to have life abundantly, and give us your spirit of peace as we struggle in the tension of the mystery of disease and death. Let us remember the love and example of your son, Jesus, who came to us in a form we could understand and who himself endured suffering for our sake. It is in his name that we pray together the prayer that he taught us by saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everyone at home and around the internet said, amen. So friends, for the next several weeks, we're going to be hosting worship online. That's going to mean a bit of a different pattern for us. Uh, But just like any Sunday, we'll have prayers, we'll have some worship music, we'll have a message, and we'll have the opportunity to be generous, to give. With everything so up in the air, we've chosen to make our online services as much like the experience on Sunday morning as possible. And so we're still doing our same sermon series we had planned. We're still going to offer our our different kind of styles or whatever you want to call that. I still trimmed up my beard this morning. I still put on a plaid shirt, right? We're going to be doing as much as we can to maintain normalcy. Our two pastors were scheduled to speak today, Pastor Sherry and Pastor Mitch. So guess what? That's what we're going to do. We're going to do. I hope you'll take the opportunity to share this experience with a friend that, that maybe folks who, who might not normally have come in on Sunday mornings could find some hope in this time along with our community here at First United Methodist Church at all our campuses. So I'm going to turn it over to our worship leader. Welcome to church, friends. Let's go to God together.
Friends, as we prepare to hear the message, I would invite you to join me in prayer by repeating with me the words on your screen. Holy God, where there is fear, give us hope. Where there is disease, grant us your healing. Where there is confusion, give us your wisdom. When we are afraid, let us cling to faith. When we feel alone, help us feel your presence. When the future is uncertain, remind us of your leadership. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm Pastor Mitch. I'm from our West Side campus, and uh, it's great to have you, to be with you through the great invention of the internet and through this opportunity while we're at home and uh, being quarantined and spending our social distancing time to be able to come together online and have this experience of worship, this experience of praise, and experience of teaching together as one church family. We're continuing our series this morning, um, the series of the seven I Am Statements of Christ, and, and this week we're looking um, at something very closely tied to last week's message, and it's a shepherding analogy. Last week, Pastor Adam led us through, led us through the, uh, Jesus' statement, I am the gate, the gate referring to the, the activity the shepherd was doing as being the gate that the, the sheep would pass through. and. The, the gate to the pen and how Jesus was the gate to heaven and to God. And if you missed it, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that, go back and re-listen to that message last week from Pastor Adam. If you were able to find our message here this morning, I think you'll have no trouble in going back and finding that one last week. This week's statement we continue um, is a continuation of the theme of shepherding. It's found immediately following the I am the gate phrase, and it's in John chapter 10, Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to get those out and turn to John chapter 10, verse 11. And if you want to pause the video right now, you could do that and go grab your Bible. Or you can just keep listening, thumb through to John chapter 10, and I'll tell a story. I love telling stories, and uh, if you've ever heard one of my sad stories... S-A-H-D. I was a stay-at-home dad for five years, and it is the greatest job with the worst acronym. SAD. I'm a SAD. Um, I think it's a terrible acronym for this job, but I loved every minute of it. And being a stay-at-home dad, I feel like I learned more about life than I ever taught my two little boys um, in that time that I was getting them prepared for, prepared for kindergarten. But as a sad, as a stay-at-home dad, I had this monopoly kind of in my field um, with my working counterparts were um, stay-at-home moms. I think it would be like Psalms, which is way cooler. But anyway, um, I, would, I had this monopoly on the male voice, um, that loud male voice sounded different than the other voices around in our group. I remember um, I could use my dad voice to almost control an entire playground of children, um, I would call, I would use my dad voice to call out, call out my own. And brace yourself, I want to give you an example, went something like this, whole playground, set the scene, playground of children, running and playing, chaos, parents on the perimeter, majority moms, right, I'm the only dad, and it'd be time for us to go, and I'd say, go like this, I'd say, hey, let's truck it up. 
and I'd start walking towards the truck, well, the whole playground would just come to a screeching halt. It'd just be like kids just, and everyone would look at me, and they would quickly add their internal dialogue. I would think, is dad here? Like that was their internal dialogue. But then they quickly realized I was just some strange man, and the strange man wasn't talking to them, so they'd go back about their business. And somewhere from a piece of play feature, out would pop my two little boys, and they'd come scurrying along, trying to keep up as I walked off ahead of them. We as humans respond to voices based on our experience, based on our association with that voice, based on our previous knowledge of how that voice and how that voice has responded to us. My boys knew that, you know, I was leaving. <laughs> and they better go with me. They trusted me and they followed me. Like most mammals, our, uh, our hearing is developed before our vision. I found this, uh, I found this from a... National Center for Biotechnology Information, so it sounds pretty professional. Although not fully mature, the developing auditory system enables response to sound in utero, as has been shown by studies that measure fetal movement and heart rate response to sound around 25 to 27 weeks gestation. You know, this gives light. Um, in fact, behind our friend Rick, uh, coffee man Rick, brother love, he calls me. Rick uh, tells jokes, and one of the jokes Rick tells, I know you guys are kind of scared right now because I'm going to tell a joke. Um, Rick tells this joke about the preacher who goes to visit um, the newborn infant from the congregation, and he goes to the house, and the baby's, you know, mother's holding the baby, and he's, he's warm and cozy and peacefully sleeping, and the preacher says, preacher says, hey, little fella, hi, how you doing? You know me. And the baby just burst into tears, crying, wailing, uncontrollable sobs. And the preacher looks at the father and says, man, I don't know why. He should recognize my voice. He's been hearing me preach every week for the last nine months. And the father says, well, this has been his first opportunity to comment. See, babies being always part of a mother's environment, they almost surely have this feeling of her voice and always being there, something that's always there. But this response, this response to an outside voice, such as a father's voice, can happen as early as 25 weeks. And we recognize this through these physical responses. Action, movement, heart rate. Our fathers can have an impact on us just by speaking. And sheep are similar. A shepherd can cause a physical response with his voice, not because he speaks sheep, not because he's talking sheep language, you know, I insert a bad joke right here, but because his voice is a voice that they trust. They know to follow the shepherd's voice. So let's unpack this next chapter of Jesus' claims about himself and about being a good shepherd. So he catches up with this story, you know, Jesus is describing himself using these I am statements. And this I am is a throwback. It's a throwback reference to Moses' encounter with the burning bush and his encounter with God in the burning bush. When he's being sent to, to free the Israelite slaves from the land of Egypt, Moses says, says to God, who should I say sent me? And we find Exodus 3, 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. 
I am. This is the name of God. And many, many, many generations later, we have Jesus referring to Exodus 3.14, and he's saying, I am. He's saying, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. These are the claims Jesus is making, and, they have, and these claims that he has made has left his audience with the decision to make about Jesus. Who is Jesus? They ask themselves and one another, is he crazy? Is he evil? Is he a heretic speaking blasphemy against God? Is he truly who he's claiming to be? Could he be the Messiah? See, John chapter 10 is where we're going to start with our story this morning. Jesus is expanding on his self-comparison to a shepherd. He's using an analogy that they can understand because he's talking to the Pharisees, the well-educated um, religious leaders of the time. They have never been shepherds, but what they do know is the rich history associated with shepherds and the scriptures. See, the sheep and shepherds are part of the story. They're part of our story. The Jewish tradition, as recorded at the time with the first five books of what we call the Old Testament, but they had the Torah, shepherds appear again and again in Scripture. This very Scripture is that the Pharisees had memorized, and they knew this. So when Jesus is talking about shepherds, they go back to these memory of these stories that they had. Um, back in the beginning, Genesis, we have a uh, second male character we have in Genesis, Abel kept flocks. Abel was a shepherd. Jump forward to Exodus, we have Moses. Moses uh, experienced God in the burning bush, gets sent to save, rescue the Israelites. At the time, he was shepherding. He was a shepherd in the wilderness of his father-in-law's flocks. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob were all shepherds. David, David was a shepherd. He was an awesome, he was like a Marvel superhero shepherd, like slaying giants and, and man after God's own heart. And, and Adam, uh, Pastor Adam read with us last week uh, Psalm 23, a shepherding psalm that David himself wrote. He was a shepherd who became a king. And from Scripture, the Pharisees also knew that from the line of David, the Messiah would come. These people are no strangers to sheep and shepherding. And here we go with this big, long intro leading up to Jesus' words in John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Pretty straightforward. Jesus is willing to die for sheep. And since Jesus wasn't actually a shepherd, it's pretty safe to assume that he wasn't talking about sheep. The sheep are people. Jesus is talking about laying down his life for his people. And that's what makes him the good shepherd. Verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Once again, nothing hidden coming straight forward right at it, right? He's not the hired hand and the hi because we know he's the shepherd. So it says the hired hand is not the shepherd. So if Jesus is the shepherd, who's the hired hand? Well, he's talking to him. 
the Pharisees. Jesus says he's not scared of the wolf. When the wolf comes and others run away and stop protecting the sheep, he will stay there with the sheep. He's not scared of the wolf. He's not scared of the troubles of this world. He's not scared of the virus or the epidemic or other situations that are of the world. He cares only for the sheep. His focus is on the sheep. See, the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The hired hand is working for the money. The good shepherd is working for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. He says it again. Now we've got to really pay attention because we're saying it twice. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I love these two verses, these two verses together. I love it because I feel like Jesus is getting excited here and he says it again and he says, I am the good shepherd. He's explaining this relationship because he says he knows the sheep and the sheep know him. And then he relates it to his relationship with God the Father. And then he clarifies that these are the sheep he's sacrificing his life for. The good shepherd is so good that he calls us into a relationship with him, into a deep, personal, intimate relationship with him. He is so good. He wants a father-son, father-daughter relationship with his sheep. We read earlier that he calls them out by name. He knows them by name. He knows his sheep by name and he wants them to know him that closely too. Then we get into verse 16 and he opens it up for everyone. Verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now see, this is a big one. He was getting the Pharisees all frothed up with this talk about being hired hands, this talk about being gatekeepers and working for money. And really he hits a nerve here and he hits a big one. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Jesus is talking to leaders of the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, And by the very phrase chosen people, it insinuates unchosen people, people that are not chosen. But now we know Jesus is saying he's the gate that you have to go through him to get to God. And now he's saying others can go through that gate. It's open to all. And Jesus is saying all are welcome to come through and follow the good shepherd. Verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. See, we recognize this kind of foreshadowing of crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus. And I think the Pharisees, though, at the time, received this as almost a taunt, almost a, the reason my father loves me, the reason God loves me is I lay down my life. Not not the reasons of of following rules and, and 
manipulating things to where I know I'm the one in the right and someone else is in the wrong, not by judging others or by seg- segregating out folks or by, or by saying there's, there's this very specific thing I have to do, but because I value the sheep, I value the sheep and I value them more than my own life because I put others first. That's why the Father loves me, Jesus is saying. And then he says this command, this command he received uh, the authority to lay down his life and take it up again. This command he received from my Father. And Jesus kind of like mic drops. He's like, because Dad says so. You know, he has this, leaves this crowd, leaves this crowd with this inner dialogue of who is this guy? Who talks like this? We read that in verse 19. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? In reference to miracles Jesus had recently performed. I think of this this phrase and this question, the Pharisees and the group, the crowd gathered around that was listening to these teachings. Um, and this question reminds me of another question that had a very impactful moment on me in my spiritual life. When I was at, uh, at home dad, when I stay at home dadding, I did way more reading than I did the previous, the previous 30 years of my life. And in that, in that time of reading, I, was, I discovered um, an author, C.S. Lewis, who wrote um, lots of Christian writing and fantasy writing, and he wrote um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the whole Narnia series, and I read that to my boys, and um, in reading that, really enjoying his writing, I learned he wrote these other Christian books as well, and he wrote this book called Mere Christianity, and here's, here's my copy. Um, I had a used copy, and I used it very well myself, and I had an aha moment one time. Um, whenever you just, whenever you, have you ever just read something, and it was, felt like um, it made things, it put things in a new perspective for you. And I remember one nap time, I'm reading my new copy that I got of this Mere Christianity book that um, C.S. Lewis has written. I, I remember the page number, it's page 52. And that's why I probably never get another copy of this book because I know on page 52, um, I had, I had this, this phrasing that he used that I felt, um, that had an aha, this great way of phrasing. The same question that thousands of years earlier, the crowd following Jesus um, were looking at. I want to read this to you this morning. C.S. Lewis writes, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people have often said about him. I'm ready to accept that Jesus is a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, Lewis was British, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God, but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. I love that. I love that. He did not 
intend to. So no matter how we phrase our answer to this question, one thing is true for all of us, for all of us, that Jesus loves us. He knows us by name, and he desperately wants us to love him back. He wants us to learn and follow his voice. Before we were ever born, we were designed to hear, to listen. And though we don't yet comprehend the language or the meaning of those words before we were born, we can be affected by the voice. We know this because doctors will tell us this as fathers, they'll tell us this as parents, as dads and moms. They'll say, talk to your unborn babies. And in doing so, you're developing a relationship and a trust. My little buddy, Carter Graves, um, from our West Side service, he came into this world a few, a few months ago, and he knows his daddy's voice. When Eddie talks, you can be holding Carter, and he's a happy, happy little boy. And when his daddy talks, his muscles tense up and his neck cranes off to the side, trying to turn an ear to hear where the voice is coming from, to locate his dad, to lean towards his father. See, before we ever come into the light, before we can see or touch, we can hear. God's voice is the same way. Knowing Knowing your father's voice comes by spending time hearing and listening. Knowing God's voice comes by spending time listening. Time in prayer, time in scripture, time in study, time listening. So you may not have had the same experience as my little buddy Carter who had a daddy that loved him and spoke words of love and encouragement and kindness before he was ever born, before he could ever understand them. But you have a heavenly father who loves you, loves you more than you can fathom, and he wants to be your shepherd. He wants you to follow his voice. He wants you to go where he leads, to physically respond, to react to his love. He wants you to, to, to be a follower, to be one of his sheep. He wants to call you by name. And I want to encourage you in this time of social distancing, in this time of, of separation and broken routines and being homebound and being outside of our norm, I want you to encourage you to take advantage of this time of social distance to close the distance between you and your Heavenly Father, to listen for the voice. Spend time hearing God. Spend time in God's word. Spend time in scripture and spend time listening. I want you to take this opportunity of distance to grow closer to God for he wants you to grow your relationship with him, the good shepherd. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come together electronically to be, to be your, your, your congregation spread throughout this community during this time of crisis and unknown. Give us strength to know that we are not alone and we are one with you. Help us to lean towards you and press into you with our doubts and fears in this time. 
Give us strength to, to pursue you in the unknown, to push away worry and fear and trust in you, Lord. Trust in your providence and your blessing and trust that you are the good shepherd, a voice that we can follow through the gate. Amen. Well, friends, we now have the opportunity to be generous and give, even if we're not meeting in person on Sunday. I know that this pandemic will have an effect on lots of folks economically. If you have a need, please get in touch with one of our pastors. We can put you in touch with resources, and it would be our pleasure to assist you. We will continue to support our community in ways that are going to be evolving. Right? This situation is changing rapidly. We as a church will continue to respond. We believe that God has gifted us uh, to maintain our mission during this incredibly difficult and in my lifetime unprecedented season. Just because we aren't gathering in groups doesn't mean that ministry stops. We will continue our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And so on, on our page, on the page you're, you're looking at, we will have a link where you will be able to give online. We will continue to provide an opportunity for you to be faithful and for you to be generous. And that means so much, especially in this time where we need each other even more. So may God use these, our generous gifts, to make the circle of his love grow wider and wider so that we can serve our community in this trying time and ultimately that more and more people would come to know the saving love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your generosity. Oh, 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 oh,
Church family, thank you so much for making worship a priority. It is so good to continue these faithful practices when everything else seems up in the air. Don't forget the opportunity to be generous. Don't forget the opportunity to share this experience with somebody that you care about. And please, please, please subscribe to our email list. Follow us on social media. Stay connected in this era of social distancing. Friends, it has been so good to be together virtually. We will see you next week. Stay safe and keep your head up. Amen.